What's going on, guys? Welcome back in Days Call Football. My name is Otis. My name's Jose, and here we have yet another episode of the Quarantine Podcast. <laughs> I feel like we should change this from It's Called Football to It's Called a Quarantine, because uh, we've got yet another setup. I think last time we had it over a Zoom meeting. This time we're recording the podcast over uh, Streamlabs and Discord, so hopefully the audio quality is a little better than what we had in the past. Um, hopefully... <laughs> you can see us a little clearer, but definitely want to thank you guys for all the support on the last podcast. Uh, now, since last episode, Otis, you've moved in, right? Yes, I moved into my new place. Um, hurt my back in the process, so that's always fun. <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, exactly what you need. But good thing is you won't be going to the gym anytime soon, so it's not necessary. Unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, unfortunately. I'm starting to miss it. Now, I wish I was. You know who don't miss the gym? Professional football players, because they're all working out from home, including specifically Arsenal, who have been very public in showing their sort of strategy and game plan uh, for how they're dealing with this lockdown situation in the UK. Uh, but not only that, financially, they've agreed to a 12.5% pay cut for all the players uh, for the next year in order to minimize the losses by Arsenal Football Club while there's no match day revenue coming in. Now, other clubs that also did this were West Ham and Southampton. Um, Bournemouth are in talks with their players, and it's looking like it's going to be almost the norm for most teams. Now, there's a little bit of controversy here because there's a mole in the Arsenal hierarchy. I don't know how else to say it. Um, if these reports are even to be believed, apparently three players are currently rejecting the deal for the 12.5% pay cut. The only one that's been named is Mesut Ozil, uh, because he's always in the news, always a controversy. Uh, half the time it's not even him doing anything, but apparently he's rejecting the wage cut because he wants more clarity from the organization, the club, about where that money's going to because if it's to support the NHS, technically, in these players' taxes for living in the UK, they would be giving more uh, than what their 12% pay cut would provide. So that's Ozil's argument. What do you think about this whole fiasco and, and players taking pay cuts in general? Uh, I think it is a fiasco at the end of the day. Um, when you start talking... so. Before I hit exactly about my, my thoughts on the players taking wage cuts, when you are talking about the top six in England, they are, like I said on the last podcast, run like a business. Yep. I think we can all agree on that, you know, uh, especially with some of these owners. Um, specifically, you got like Stan Kroenke, Mike Ashley. This is a business, right? And uh, if that's the case, then you need to have some sort of of rainy day savings for when shit hits the fan, which it has. And clearly none of the clubs, uh, bar a couple who are backed by states, uh, have, have any of the resources to do that. Um, so I think that's a failing on the, the ownership portion for a majority of these major clubs. But in terms of players taking a wage cut, look, man, you know, it sucks, but we're here. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. if it's going, if, if the money is going to support the back office staff, uh, the staff that isn't getting paid millions of dollars to be there every single day, if it's going to support them, then yeah. You know, most of these guys are, and again, I'm not one to like shit on millionaires or shit on rich people or anything like that, but most of these guys are very, very financially well off. Eat the rich. And a lot of these backroom staff, yeah, like a lot of the, like the kit man, like the people who do the laundry, the chef, they're not millionaires by any means. Yeah. They're not millionaires. You know, now if it's going to support them, then I'm all for it. Players take a wage cut. You're still going to be making millions of dollars. But see, you know? here's the thing. We don't know what it's going for. Supposedly, it's going for Arsenal's reserves to make sure they don't take a big loss. And that's the kind of clarity that an employee has the right to know before their wages are cut for contracts that they were offered. You know, the club, yes, unprecedented right. times, definitely. But they were offered these contracts. Mm -hmm. And they should have the clarity before that money's taken away. 
No, a hundred percent. I hundred percent agree. I don't think that Meza Ozil should be faulted for wanting to see where the money's going. I mean, at the end of the day, you know, uh, contractually, legally, it's his money. At the end of the day, even if he hasn't been paid it yet, it's his money. Uh, so yeah. I think he has every right to demand to know where the money's going, just like every other player for every other club should. Agreed. Agreed. Um, that being said, I think it's great that players have agreed to pay cut if it's going towards the right thing. I think that's a very selfless thing to do, all things considered. But more clarity needs to be provided on what exactly is going on. I think I think we can both agree with that for the most part. Uh, basically, what we're both saying. Now, yeah, uh, my question is... I was going to say... Oh, go ahead. Uh, do you want to stick on this train? Because I was going to transition it. I actually have one one last thing I want to bring up about Mesut Ozil because I've seen a lot of uh, a lot of people jumping on the oh let's hate Mesut Ozil bandwagon as it usually comes up every few weeks. Yep. Uh, so I, I saw a report saying that Ozil and his wife uh, paid for a thousand children to have life saving surgery as part of their wedding gesture. They fed sixteen thousand people in in need and paid for eleven Brazilian children to have life changing operations with his World Cup now, winnings. Yes. Was that with his World Cup winnings? The Brazilian kids. The Brazilian... Oh, okay, okay, okay. All right. So, yeah, the article I said didn't, didn't mention that, but um, I'm sure that there's much more clarity out there. I just yeah. haven't seen it. Uh, so I, I just wanted to say that to, to preface it. Basically, if you're out there hating on Mesut Ozo because he wants clarity and he won't give up some of his you know, ridiculous salary because he does make a ridiculous salary. Um, just remember all of the good that he actually does. That's all I'm saying. That's all. Exactly. I'm saying. It, this isn't like he spat on the NHS and said, fuck everybody, go die. Like, it, yeah. that's not what he's doing. And this is how contract negotiations work. This is how any business negotiation works. And it's a progress. However, if all of this is to be believed, then I have two things. One... The club needs to figure out who's leaking all this information. And if it's the club leaking this information, shameful. Absolutely despicable. Two, John Cross is a twat. And he's an asshole, deluded, irrational. Uh, basically, the reason I say that is because it was his report that said the three players had not agreed the wage cut. And he only named Meserozo. That's not journalistic integrity. That's scapegoating and targeting. And John Cross should be ashamed of himself. And that's all I got on that. Yeah, I mean, I think we've seen throughout the uh, throughout the years, Meza Ozo used as a scapegoat um, for on and off the pitch. Um, you know, he's used as a scapegoat just about every week when he plays, if, if Arsenal don't win, yep. even when they do win. Uh, you know he he'll he'll be blamed for his defensive performances, and, and then he's a scapegoat off the pitch as well, especially in Germany. Yeah. And know. even when they when even sorry even when Arsenal wins, people will say, "Oh well, we don't see this every game from Mesedozo." Okay, shut the fuck up. <laughs> Who do you see? Even Messi doesn't perform at his best every single game. They're humans, not machines. And yes, they work for a machine in entertainment and football. But they're not what you think they are. They're still human beings. Um, I did want to transition this because clubs are being put into a position to have to agree pay cuts with their players. What does this... Ooh. All right. <laughs> Sorry, someone was just at my door. Uh, what does this mean for transfers? Are we going to see the amount of high-dollar transfers go down? Are we going to see a lot more player swaps? What's your opinion on the whole thing? Uh, yes, I think we're going to see both. I think you're going to see the price of transfers drop, um, and I definitely think you're going to see a lot more player swaps because clubs are going to be uh, kind of in a financial bind for the next couple of years yeah. um, until, until things return to normal, and who knows when that's going to happen. Uh, so I think you will see uh, a, de a decrease in in transfers in transfer values. Um, maybe bar a few exceptions, um, you know. But 
but for the most part, 99% of these these absolutely ridiculous transfer fees, you you probably won't see see this summer, next summer, or the summer after that. Now, I don't think it's going to happen. I think uh, I definitely think, like you said, you'll be there'll be more player swaps and and reasonable transfer fees yeah. uh, because everybody's trying to survive in this in this crazy uh, time. Definitely. Last thing I want to say here uh, with this sort of scenario in the Premier League because. Uh, a report literally did just come out over Twitter. Um, UEFA has urged different leagues and associations uh, that if they cannot finish this season this year to uh, use the UEFA coefficients to decide Champions League places. Um, that was a big question. Uh, am I supposed to talk about that later? What? The UEFA coefficient. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, you're good. You go okay. ahead. Word. So basically, the UEFA coefficients would be used to determine the Champions League and Europa League places. Uh, what that is is based off performances in years past and based off total points achieved in the league, etc. Um, there's a standard ranking for clubs within the league, and even clubs within Europe as a whole. So what this means is that if my memory serves me right. Arsenal would be in the fourth spot, ironically enough, um, and would be in the Champions League, whereas Chelsea, Leicester, and Tottenham Hotspur would be in the Europa League places. If Manchester City's ban stands, then Tottenham would jump into the uh, Champions League spot. So that's what we're looking at if we can't get football started back up. Interesting. Very interesting. Yep. Um... I mean, Let the conspiracies begin. <laughs> at this point, you know, I have first and foremost, I, you know, it, it's it, there's there's absolutely zero, um, there's absolutely no hiding the fact that I I do have a bit of disdain against UEFA and a bit of bias um, against UEFA as a Manchester City fan, um, but it's a it's a solution, and in a time of never-ending problems, it's a solution. It's good to see a plan simple as that exactly even if even if i don't know how i feel about it 100 percent, it's better than doing nothing yeah. it's better than you know what i mean like Agreed. i haven't seen a better solution proposed yeah it's an existing ranking be, that's be, happened for many years now and to use it exactly. as a backbone for future decisions in this time i makes exactly. sense exactly yeah it's that's all i gotta say about it. it's a solution um I don't see anybody else offering up sensible solutions at this point. So, there we go. Uh, no real transition here, uh, but I did have a question that I wanted to ask you, Otis. Uh, my mind's been running since we've <laughs> been so bored without any games. Uh, what are the chances of Pep Guardiola leaving City in the next one to two years, amongst the uh, potential UEFA ban? Amongst all this coronavirus uh, mess, yeah. um, I'm gonna give you a percentage, 100 <laughs> uh, percent. Before the ban, before the coronavirus, Pep Guardiola was already leaving in one to two years, because that's when his contract is over. He never leaves before his contract. Well, I don't want to say never because, you know, but the whole buying thing was weird. Anyway, 100 um, percent. Pep Guardiola will not be with Manchester City in two years. If he is, I'll be, I'll be, I'll be happy. But I, it, it's not going to happen. So, when, in my opinion, one hundred percent, he won't be with Manchester City in two years. Word. Well, damn. I, I wasn't expecting that answer, honestly. Not because I thought you would be like well, uh, deluded in any way, but sounds like you guys know possibly what your plan is afterwards. Do you know who you would want in? Um, you know, there have been talks about a couple of different managers, and it, it's actually it's actually funny uh, that you bring that up because they have actually brought in a couple of managers into the the city football group network, mm -hmm. and they have them managing at other clubs that the city owners own. Uh, so you've got uh, what's his name, Van. Um, I don't know if I'm gonna pronounce this right. It's a Dutch dude. Um, apparently, he's uh, got a lot of potential as a coach. Obviously, Patrick Vieira. Um, is a name that's being thrown around. Um, 
clearly we wanted Mikel Arteta, but he had other ideas and, you know, more power to him. Happy that he's got, um, you know, a manager role. But I honestly will have to wait and see who's even available in two years. Yeah, no, I definitely hear you. And it's an ever-changing, uh, what's the word I want to use? It's an ever-changing time. So honestly, who knows? We, there could be some new protege that arises in the next few years uh, that we don't even know about yet. No. Exactly. Look, look at, um, I was going to say, look at how Eric Ten Hag has rose yeah. to fame in the last two, three years. Five years ago, nobody knew his name. Exactly. You know, he was, coach, he was coaching the reserves at Bayern, and now look where he is. Exactly. Now, do you want to shift gears and go elsewhere in Europe? Yeah, let's do it. How about one of Pep's former teams, uh, Bayern Munich? Um, a player that's been on both of our radar, especially because he's North American, uh, just signed a new deal. A young guy, Alfonso Davies. You may have heard about him. He's he's a pretty big deal in North America. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Especially especially Canada. Especially Canada. Exactly. And tell you what, he's becoming a big deal in Europe too. Uh, in the I forget. I think they only played one leg, but in the first match against Chelsea in the Champions League uh, round of 16, he kind of bossed the whole game, honestly. From left back, he was a danger to everybody. Which, yeah, and left back's not even his natural position. You know, the dude's a forward, and they've got him performing like that at left back. Exactly, to the point where he signed a new deal until 2025, and people are saying he could be the best defender in Europe right now. A forward That's a from the that... MLS playing for Bayern Munich. <laughs> yeah, I remember when he first popped on the scene playing for Vancouver and the mm. crazy goals he was scoring back he then. And now look where he's at. And tell you what, uh, yeah. to their credit, uh, something they've done right, ESPN FC put up a compilation of his MLS goals, so definitely check that out if you, if you want. Um, but yeah, it's a good question. Do you think he's the best young defender in Europe? Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say no. Uh, I think it's it, that's a heavily uh, debatable, and everybody's got their own opinion on that. Yep. Um, I I don't. I'm not gonna say he's the best def young defender in Europe. I would say that you he his name definitely deserves to be brought up in that conversation. Is he the best? I mean, yeah, I don't know if I can get on board with that. Here's the thing: there are so many young defenders nowadays. Because oh, I'm really talking about 24 years and younger. You know, Apuma. <laughs> oh my God, I didn't. I butchered it. Upamecano is 21. Konate is 21, and they're literally a few steps away from winning the Bundesliga if if they don't keep fucking up, honestly. <laughs> But those are two 21-year-old yeah, I mean, kids leading one of the best teams in Europe. Look at look at um, look at Alfonso Davies' teammate, Joshua Kimmich. Yep. I mean, what is he like? Twenty? He's twenty-three. I know he's been on the scene for a while, but he's still very young. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You good? Yeah, I'm good. You cut out a little bit uh, on my side, but yeah, you're exactly right. Um, Kimmich isn't even that old. Hector, Be no, I'm kidding. <laughs> All right, well, maybe before, maybe before the ACL injury. Before the ACL is debatable, yeah, but honestly, yeah. not even that debatable. I, I, I wouldn't say best. Good, good, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. He was okay. good. He was good. He's never really I'll been. I mean, he. To be fair, he started as a midfielder, so it's not even like he was a defender forever. But you see the importance of fullback specifically. As the game keeps evolving, becoming more and more attacking-minded, um, so it's interesting to see how many fullbacks were not fullbacks by trade growing up. No, it's very true. Um, very true. Now, I. That's all the news I have on my side. Uh, did you see anything else you wanted to talk about, football-wise? Uh Yes, I've actually got a couple of different things that I wanted to bring up. Uh, first and foremost, uh, that kind of going back to the this summer and the transfers, Barcelona has, uh, you know, obviously they have a whole mess, and so there's a lot of leaks coming out. But yeah. So apparently there's only three players that are going to be safe 
from being sold this summer. And that is uh, obviously Lionel Messi, uh, Marc Andre Ter Stegen, and Frankie De Jong. That's uh, kind of crazy. You know, what, what is your opinion on on only these three players being safe, if you will, uh, this summer? And do you think like if they sell off too many players, do they risk? falling behind the likes of uh, Real Madrid, who seem to have a bottomless pit of cash. Yeah, no, I definitely hear you. Uh, first of all, I do think this is a very easy report to write. I would question the validity of it, um, because realistically selling 24 players is not not going to happen. And when you look at these three specifically, yeah, I see why they're safe. Ter Stegen, I would say, is the best goalkeeper in the world at this time. Messi is, in my opinion, the best player of all time. De Jong, really hot prospect, young player, proven he's got the skill in his first season, and they just got him. Now, I think there are a few notable names that are missing. Uh, Sergio Busquets, I think is really surprising that he's not on that list. He's getting up there in age, yes. However, he's been a staple of that side for over a decade. And there are two other names that came to mind. One, Jordi Alba. He's, not only is he still playing at an insanely high level, I would say he's at his peak right now, um, but Gerard Piquet also. A lot of people say he's the second most influential person in that locker room. Um, and he would be the captain if Messi wasn't such an amazing player. So to have those guys, quote-unquote, on the chopping block, I think is really surprising, um, which is what kind of makes me think that this is a BS rumor. But I can definitely see a big, big sell-off. I, see, I can see Luis Suarez leaving. I can see Dembele leaving. I can see Griezmann leaving. I can see a lot of their young players being shifted out, taken on loan, stuff like that. So it's, it, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, um, I think that it, first and foremost, I, I agree with what you're saying in terms of you know questioning the validity of the the report. Um, but there, what I will say is that there, this it wouldn't surprise me coming from this board. Uh, so all yeah. the issues that that's been going on with Joseph Bartomeu, uh, the fact that they've had six board members uh, quit simultaneously and are now coming out and basically talking shit about Bartomeu says everything you need to know about how poorly run this club is from the top. It's a nightmare. It's a nightmare, dude. It's... <laughs> it, it makes Arsenal look like a decently ran club. Well, Barcelona's still winning, but I, I get what you're saying. Because of the insane players. I... I because, yeah. No, no, 100%. No, I no, no, no. I, I was kidding. 100%. You know, uh, La Masia, the fact that they have, you know, Lionel Messi. Uh, 33 years old. Or 32 years yeah, old. exactly. Gerard Piquet, Jordi Alba, Sergio Busquets are all getting older, and that golden generation is kind of... Fading. Quick. Yeah, fading's a word for it. And who's... Fading. Yep. Do the likes of... Obviously, you're never going to replace a Messi. Never. But do the likes of Samuel Umtiti, Musa Dembele, and Frankie de Jong live up to that? I would say two out of the three well, don't. I, I think you're, you're, there is uh, one La Masia product who, who could come into the side and really, really lighten things up. And, the, uh, no, the I'm, not oh. I'm, not I'm not talking about Ansu Fati. I'm not talking about Ansu Fati. I'm talking about Conrad de la Fuente. The American playing yeah. for Barcelona. Wouldn't that be something? Uh, yeah, I actually, yeah, he's. I don't think he's good enough to play for the first he's team. Not. But um, I, I, one hundred percent. I don't think that the 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 people they have waiting behind this current golden generation. It's not going to work out. However, it's not going to work to out. To play devil's advocate, we're comparing them to some of the best football players in their deficient the position over the past 30 years. That's true, but look at, uh, and, and again, you know, every team has their ups and their downs, but, you know, some teams, uh, like these giants, like uh, Real Madrid, Barcelona, have had more ups than downs. Yeah. Uh, take Real Madrid, you know, Real Madrid, a star player leaves, pff, they've got a star player on the bench waiting to take the field, you know what I mean? 
Yeah. I mean, but I, at the same time, look at the amount of L's that they've taken. Eden Hazard's been injured his whole season. Um, Luka Jovic has struggled heavily up until recently. Uh, Darren Militao is apparently on the way out, according to reports. You know, the, there's there's a lot of uncertainty in Real Madrid as well. James Rodriguez can't get no, out of no. the club, and he can't get playing time. No, 100%. I mean, look at the bail situation, how that's handled. I, I You know, uh, I'm not saying that, you know, Real Madrid definitely have their faults, definitely have their flaws, as is every single club. Uh, What I'm saying is, though, how Real Madrid carries themselves, how Real Madrid acts and the transfer market is is a little bit different than how Barcelona does. Uh, Even though recently, over the past couple of years, we've seen Barcelona make some pretty lavish purchases in the transfer market. But, you know, okay, Jovic isn't working, uh, Bale isn't working, Hazard isn't working, fine. They'll just say, fuck it. They'll go out and sign Mbappe in a year. You know what I mean? Yeah. If Newcastle don't get to him first. <laughs> hey, that's a, what a transition. wonderful transition. What a what a transition. Because <laughs> you mentioned Mike Ashley earlier. <laughs> and Mike Ashley is no more. <laughs> Little foreshadowing there for you. <laughs> I see what you did there. Now So so what go ahead. I've got a soft spot for Newcastle, so I'm kind of excited to say it. Um Mike Ashley's out the door, and there's a new owner. Uh, basically, the Yemeni government is taking over Newcastle. <laughs> and uh, hey, bro. Newcastle's new owner is richer than every other Premier League owner combined. Like, like tenfold, yeah. That's, that's what we're looking at here. <laughs> now, tenfold, yeah. obviously, FFP is a thing, and it's really unknown if this guy's even going to spend money. There's so many things that are literally up in the air. But there's hope and there's optimism, which is something that you don't see much from Steve Bruce side, let's be honest. Uh, and they've got good pieces already. Miguel Marone, Alan St. Maximin, uh, Lascelles, Dubravka, Char, you know, Isaac Hayden. They have a solid core. So what do you think this could mean for Newcastle? Um, first and foremost... The fact that the, the the owner is worth two hundred and sixty billion dollars says everything you need to know. Um, they're going to go and they're going to spend. They're going to obviously, like you said, FFP is a thing. But you know what else is a thing? Money. Uh, lawyers. <laughs> lo- exactly. Money. Lawyers. Money. Lawyers and precedents. So Man City walked so Newcastle could <laughs> run. Uh, <laughs> in terms of fighting FFP, in terms of fighting UEFA, Man City walks so Newcastle could fucking fly at this point yeah. because $260 billion is no fucking joke. Um, so I just, I'm, I'm, I'm happy for it because I think it's time to see another side come in and consistently shake up the top six. I know Leicester has done it from time to Sheffield time. Sheffield is starting Obviously, to do it. You've got, <laughs> You got well, this this season. You've got Wolves who are kind of around there, but but no team who can really pack a punch yeah. and be there for a couple of years, you know. And I think this is this is good. It'll shake up the top six, um, and everybody will start focusing all that fucking FFP talk on Newcastle <laughs> and, and not City. Man City alone. <laughs> exactly. Now yeah. I I want to <laughs> throw something out there. Just 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 a lob. Just want to get it in the brain space. A while ago, Newcastle broke the world transfer record to sign Alan Shearer, English forward, went on to score the most goals in the Premier League. There's an English forward that is very much on his way back to England, it's looking like. Could we see Jaden Sancho be the marquee signing of this Newcastle takeover? Wow. Say, hey, wow, here's they... 250K. You deal a year without Champions League football. We get you a new manager with fresh ideas in attacking football. And you're the face of the northern half of England. Wow, that would be insane. I think because he's been so heavily linked with Chelsea and Man United, the fact that you can have Newcastle come in and, and out-bully Manchester United and Chelsea and the transfer markets, it, pfft, that's and Jaden Sancho doesn't have to turn uh, his back on his city upgrade, upbringing. I mean, yeah. Well, I mean, he has no allegiances to Man City. If we're being completely honest, you know, he came from Watford. He was at City for like three years, and then he dipped. So, 
you know, if he went to United, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give a fuck. Um, personally, I wouldn't really care. Um, I think that would be crazy. That would be insane if Jaden Sancho went to Newcastle. Maybe Gerard Piquet does end up leaving Barcelona, joins Newcastle, a little veteran at the back. I don't know. All right, bro. It's not, <laughs> it's not FIFA. It's not FIFA career mode out here. <laughs> hey, hey. Although it might, with the with the amount of money that their new owners have, shit, it just it might, might as be. well be right. I, I don't <laughs> know. Just it just might be. Just wanted to throw those Sancho news um, up in the air, seeing if anyone caught the bait. But that's all I have on that. I'm very happy for Newcastle fans. Uh, obviously, True Jordy had a video he put out on it. It's going to be an interesting time because. We, we yeah. can't just assume that they're going to become the next powerhouses. It could be a massive flop. You've seen it happen to Blackburn. You've seen it happen to Leeds. It almost happened to Arsenal. <laughs> almost? Yeah, yeah. No, hey, 100%. we're still in the top um, flight. <laughs> no, that's true. No, you got a point. Um, you know, I am happy because, you know, we do have a mutual friend who supports Newcastle. Um, who literally and, got like so said, sick Jordan. of Arsenal <laughs> that he went to Newcastle. <laughs> Uh, and also because of you know Mickey. Yeah, that's, um, that's true. I think uh, I am happy for Jordy. I like Jordy as a person. I don't like Jordy as a football fan. Um, but to be so fair, yeah. have you seen his most recent video um, on the Newcastle takeover? No, I can't. I I I actually I have it saved in my watch later. I just haven't gone back and actually watched it because I did want to see what his thoughts were yeah. on the on the takeover because of how much and, and, and you can attest to this because I'm sure you've seen the content how much he shits on Man City for having money over the past few years he absolutely shits I mean, on Man yeah, City yeah he talks I, about it but it, <laughs> the way you talk about it makes it sound like he's the fucking KKK of citizens well I mean I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't go that far but uh it's 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 one of those things where it's just like, obviously you're used to it because you're an Arsenal fan and everybody shits on Arsenal because it's, I don't know what people do, <laughs> but uh, you know I really enjoyed this guy's content and then, you know as I got more and more into him I've seen I, I started picking up shit about like, how much disdain he actually has for Manchester City and it just kind of rubbed me the wrong way and it is what it is you know what I, I mean? mean like you know I. I don't fuck with Liverpool. I'm sure some people don't like the way I talk about about Liverpool. Yeah. So it is what it is. I, I do recommend yeah. watching the video because he addresses that in depth and explains how it relates to how he feels about the Newcastle takeover. Um, and oh. he he, okay. I, I don't want to spoil it because I, I think it'd be a cool video for you to watch. But he's very clear about what his opinions are and that like it's not against City. It's against the idea, the concept of what City's doing and, and what Newcastle's most likely doing. So I, I think you'll like that video. I recommend everybody watch it, honestly. Interesting. Okay. And I, I'm, I, I've got – and this is another topic for another day because it's much more in-depth and complex than we need to get right now. But I think that you look at what City's doing. A lot of people complain about it. But tell me exactly how different it is from what Chelsea did when Abramovich took over. Tell me exactly how different it is from Man United being able to bully people because of their like how much money they fucking rake in because of the brand. I mean, it's it's um, not it's not that different. And those other teams have been spoken about as well. It's just City's the one doing it currently. Exactly. And now Newcastle is going to be the one doing yep. it, so they'll leave us exactly. alone. And I'm kind of happy about it because I can't tell you. I'm sick and tired of reading FFP articles. Every five seconds, there's another article about City's finances. And I'm sick. Just of wait it. till City it's gets just, to Arsenal level regarding transfer rumors, bro. <laughs> I don't, I don't think it'll be that bad ever. But you know, I. <laughs> um, Do you want to uh, oh, yeah. move on to some viewer questions? Yeah, let's do it. Perfect. I there are two or three that I want to go over here. Um, the first one, Forza Eastenders. Uh, what's your opinions on games possibly being played behind closed doors? Ooh. Good question. Um, personally, I think that if you're going to do it now, no. It's too soon. Yeah, It's way too soon. Way too soon. Um, and you're putting players at risk. You're putting their lives and their families at risk yep. for, at, for what it is at, at the end of the day. It's a game. Yep. 
you know, I, I just, I don't, I think it's too soon. I think when, when shit calms down, we're out of quarantine, I still, I think that is when you start the season up again, and that is when you still play behind closed doors. Agreed. Agreed. I think this season has, if this season is going to play out, it has to be behind closed doors, no matter when it happens, no matter uh, what time frame it is. Because, honestly, to integrate 60,000 people back in some of these grounds, 70 or 80 for Manchester United's case, it's a suicide mission. And it just can't happen. I have no problem with games being played behind closed doors because, as much as, like you said, it is a game, it's also a business. And the business has to continue. Uh, It's a multi-billion dollar entity. And (laughs) they're not going to let that end. If there's anything rich people like, it's their money. So I agree. It has to be done, but it has to be done safely and at the right time. And while it fucking sucks, that's life. And we have to ensure the safety of these athletes first. 100%. The athletes, their families, the fans. Health and safety has to come before the game. Simple as that. Now, second question. Kind of an extension. And we kind of already talked about it. <laughs> Connor O'Hare 14 asks, if the season isn't completed, what should they do with the title, Champions League places, and relegation? Wow. Okay, so I think that um, mm, this is difficult. I think for the Champions League places, you know, the coefficient thing kind of works. Um, you know, it's, it's not that bad of an idea. When you start talking about the title, uh, when you've got a tight race in the Bundesliga, uh, in La Liga, um, that's difficult. That's very difficult. When you've got Liverpool, you know, two games away from winning the league, just give them the fucking title, dude. Uh, Agreed, honestly. I mean, like, as, as as much as I despise that club and the fan base, give them the fucking title. Because at the end of the day, you guess guess what? That title will always have an asterisk next to it. Yeah. Yep. Pretty much. Um, as far as relegation, I personally don't want to see any teams relegated from the Premier League this season. And I want to see a 23-team league next season. I want to see uh, them figure out what the fuck to do with the championship. And relegate three teams. Two or three. And then just have them all fucking duke it out. And relegate five or six teams next season. That would, be, be that would be the most last, entertaining league season ever, man. Last uh, day of the season? Oh, dude. I tell you I what, you it. could go ahead and relegate Tottenham. Go ahead and relegate Spurs this season. I'll, I'll be down <laughs> for that. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, a lot of potential options here and a lot of excitement. Um, this last question is super simple. You ready for it? Is that a yes or no? Oh, you went out. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> my bad. Uh, Premier League Player of the Year. Ooh. Premier I've got League my decision. Player of the Year. Wow. It's got to be. Wait, gotta wait, be wait, wait, wait. Let's say it at the same time. One, two. Wait, 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 wait. Okay. All right. Ready? All right. ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. One. Two, One. three. Gabriel Martinelli. Yo, even my fan stopped as soon as I said that. <laughs> yeah, because Martinelli, Martinelli is a prospect, and he looked like he might be a beast, Yo. but hey, he's not there yet, Even man. my fan I think said we... I failed the vibe check. <laughs> no, nah, you did, oh, 100%. Bro, bro. <laughs> Shit, man. I think it's it's got to be somebody from Liverpool. Honestly? Man. There's no way it's not. I was. But here's the thing. I mean... Go ahead, say what you're going to say, because I was going to be salty for a second, but (laughs) I'm sure you're going to add something constructive. We'll hear your saltiness first. Yeah, I have nothing constructive to add at this point, but yeah. uh, (laughs) I think uh, it's got to be somebody from Liverpool, even though every single time Man City win the the league, uh, nobody from the team wins wins the uh, Premier League Player of the Year, but it is what it is. My first thought was Virgil van Dijk, and he probably is going to be the player of the year however i i would like to see jordan henderson get it he's actually played really well and a lot of the best performances for liverpool have come with jordan henderson 
And that midfield isn't quite as balanced without him. Mm. Mm. Also, it'd be cool to see kind not of a trash not, player get it. <laughs> I was gonna say, not saying he doesn't, not saying he doesn't deserve it from like all he does for that team, but that just doesn't sit right with me. And that's why I want it. That just doesn't sit right. Jordan Henderson, really? Yeah, yeah. I don't know about that one, but uh, no. <laughs> that's like, I mean, that's like when you're reminded that Danny Drinkwater won the Premier League. Oh, like, God. <laughs> well, let's. Yeah, it's like, oh. Uh, let's get your player to, uh, for player of the year. Damn, dude. He's been a little bit more inconsistent this year than he has in years past, but he's still been one of the best players in the league. I, if it's got to go to somebody, uh, my vote's going for Sadio Mane. Agreed. I thought you were going to go with Salah. And I wasn't gonna agree with you, <laughs> but if Sadio Mane, you I was gonna go who? Uh, Mohamed Salah. Nah, he he hasn't been. Uh, and then again, he's never gonna reach the heights he did his first season. So no. I think that's his, to his own detriment. But yeah. I, I think I would also love to see Sadio Mane win it. He's a very deserving candidate. A hundred percent. Now I see one thing here. Let's see. Do you see what I just highlighted? Yeah. What's your answer to this question? All right. So the question for everybody who can't see our outline, which is all of you, um, is it where do you want to see ICF in, in a year or two? Yes. Or or what? Do you, okay. My bad. <laughs> where do I want to see? Where do I want to see ICF in a year or two? I want to see ICF in a year or two. Within the next 24 months, I want to see ICF. How many times can you phrase it? <laughs> I'm thinking, bro. I'm thinking. I want to see ICF at over 100,000 subscribers. I want to see um, a, like a fucking loyal, dedicated fan base that we can engage with on a daily basis. Because at the end of the day, that's what the shit is about, dude. It's about being a fan of the, of the beautiful game. Uh, fuck all the like trophies and shit. Yeah, that's cool. But at the end of the day, it's about it's about the love for the game and just like build, being able to build a community of people who feel the same way would just be awesome. I don't want to speak for you, but the, personally, that's where that's where I would love to see ICF over hundred thub uh, over a hundred thousand subs with uh, a fantastic community of people. I mean, yeah, let's go with that one. I was gonna say a hundred more subs, but I, I like the hundred K a little better. <laughs> I wasn't kidding. That, was, that was it. Thank oh, what? oh okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I gotta think. Let's babe. be real. In like three hundred and sixty-five days, we're gonna be at our headquarters in LA, living it up, five million dollar mansion. To be modest, oh. and yeah, yeah. Oh shit! That's, that's what's up. Oh shit! Hey, bro, I'm, if that happens, I'm down. I'm down. Not if, when. Excuse my language. Well, time to wrap it up. <laughs> Word. Yeah, all right, cool. So, guys. I, I, I guess I, you I, didn't just... get the memo. You know, you were shitting on me earlier that I wasn't starting it the way we usually start it, but now you're not ending it the way yeah, we usually yeah, end it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How are we going to get to 100K like this? Bro, this is what people come for. They come for the dysfunction. Nobody wants to see a perfect podcast. Our our retention rate says otherwise. Our retention rate says a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Nobody's even watching at this point of the video anyway. Okay, well, on that note, uh, we are going to be continuing. Wait, wait, hold on. Bef- before, oh, I, I didn't mean to cut you, but listen, before we end this, we do want to let you guys know that we will be doing uh, an extended version of this podcast for our, our audio-only listeners, so make sure you guys go and check that out um, on literally any of the platforms that you use to get your podcast, Apple Music, um, um, not Apple Music, <laughs> Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play uh, Podcasts, all that stuff. All right. Yep, so uh, extended audio sections. We're going to be breaking down specific subjects. Uh, So, a little sneak peek. We're going to be talking about 
the two years that have passed since Arsene Wenger announced he was leaving Arsenal. If you want to talk about that, if you want to check that out, you got to check us out on audio. Uh, Otis, where can they find that? Uh, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, uh, Google Podcasts. I think it's what the it's correct called. answer is anywhere, anywhere you, get... you find podcasts. <laughs> Literally anywhere. Yes. Uh, where can they find us on Twitter? Uh, at Cold Football and Instagram. It's Cold Football USA. Twitch. Jose ICF. Although maybe we should change it because people think your name is Jose. Oh my god, that shit is so frustrating. <laughs> oh, so well. maybe we should change it to ICF. I yeah, don't know. We'll, what, we'll, your we'll work Twitch. it out. We'll work it out. It's, it's your Twitch. Yeah. Subscribe, follow, whatever. I'm out. I'm done. <laughs> I'll bet. All right, y'all. Peace. <laughs> Except we're not done. Time for the audio only. Let's do this. Uh, so, yeah. Very simply put, two years ago on 420 Blaze It, <clears throat> Arsene Wenger announced he was leaving Arsenal. It, I, I still remember where I was when it happened because uh, where I have my little desktop setup is actually where my bed used to be. You know, with all the YouTube money I upgraded from a twin to Cash a queen. money. And <laughs> so, yeah, I was I was actually in this area, and I woke up early because it was a Friday, and I felt like there were going to be some transfer news. And I look at my t- uh, my Twitter because I've got um, Arsenic and a few other uh, Twitter accounts posting automatic updates and, like, notifications for tweets. This has Arsene Wenger's leaving. I'm like, what the fuck? <laughs> April Fool's was three weeks ago. And I actually did think it was a joke. And then I read it. I'm just like, holy shit. I realized, like, obviously I haven't been following Arsenal forever. And literally, Arsene Wenger took the job since before I was born. Like, a month or two before I was born. So literally, all that I've known Arsenal to be was Arsene Wenger. And even though I haven't been a fan forever, that shit was quite surreal and emotional, honestly. Um, It was pretty insane to see it actually happen. And the news of how it happened was interesting. Uh, Basically, they wanted him to leave after the 17-18 season. Or 16-17, I'm sorry, when we won the FA Cup. And he said, you know what? Give me another year. Let me make sure we can qualify for the Champions League. Well, it did not happen, and that's why he was more or less booted. But he wasn't sacked because they, you know, they at least had the decency for that. Yeah. Now, if you want to jump in at any point. (laughs) No, no, go ahead. You you had a nice little monologue going. Uh, I was going to let you go. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, my bad, bro. <laughs> uh, but it's, it again, it was quite surreal. And Ivan Gazidis said that, uh, you know, there was a whole plan, thorough testing for who the next manager would be. Two years on, we see that they did not have a fucking clue what they were doing. Uh, apparently, Unai Emery, the eventual Arsenal manager, wasn't in the initial shortlist. Then he came up with a random presentation talking about USB sticks and a lot of studying, and he got the job. And a year and a half later, he doesn't have the job. And a year and a half later, Ivan Gazidis is gone. And a year and a half later, most of the team that was there to handle Arsene Wenger's retirement was gone. No, that, that, that about sums up Arsenal, to be honest. So if that's not um, Arsenal, I don't know what it is. Yeah, honestly. man, I think uh, first and foremost, Wenger. Uh, Wenger's a legend. Uh, one that I wish I was around to witness his, his prime years yes. uh, at Arsenal. Um, but unfortunately, I wasn't. And, you know, I can always look back and be like that. You know, as, as, much, as, I, as much as I joke around with you, as much as I shit on Arsenal, I got mad respect for the club, I got mad respect for Wenger. I got mad love for the club. Um, you know, it was the first. It was it was a fucking Arsenal match. It was the first time I actually sat down and, and paid attention to anything when it came to soccer. 
You know what I mean? Uh, e even though I uh, chose the opposite team out of out of spite, because I, you know, that's just our relationship. I still am mad, literally. Uh, and um, that's I, literally I have, how I have your huge city place fan. in my heart for Arsenal. If I didn't, then I wouldn't fucking listen to all the fucking shit you say about Arsenal twenty four seven. Now. Now, to talk about where Arsenal are two years after 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 That'd Daddy Wenger left, <laughs> let's I mean let's be honest, worse they're worse off than when he left. When you know when he left when he left they were still making top four. You know they were making FA Cup finals. Agree. You know, man left. Well. When he exactly. left, we on were average. not making top four, but <laughs> on that average, was for one year were, out of 22. Know, regular <laughs> Champions League <laughs> contenders. Uh, and now, look look at where you are. You know? <laughs> and like you said, Unai Emery somehow weaseled his way into a exactly. position at Arsenal uh, and played a very boring, uh, reactionary style of, of brand of football, yep. which is completely against what, what Wenger uh, was doing with his free-flowing Wenger ball, as, as you guys like to call it. Um, And I think modern football for the top clubs can't be reactionary anymore. Um, it, it has to be a developed brand that players believe in. Not only because playing protagonistic football is a more attacking and organized way to play that ends up leading to better results, but it takes more tactical ability. And the way you convince top caliber players to join is to have them believe in the brand and the project as a whole and you can't advertise your brand to be at jose Mourinho. no we um, sit back 100 agree with you 100 agree with you people want to play especially top class players they're going to want to be free they're going to want to go forward they're going to want to have possession so you need to have like you said that brand of football it's not just about how much money you can offer them it's about I mean, because at the end of the day, the, the players' playing time is very limited. So they're going to want to play somewhere where, one, they're going to win shit, if that's one of their goals. But two, where they can play good, yep. beautiful, attacking football. Because at the end of the day, it's, it's entertainment, and that's what we all came to see. Nobody wants to play for a park-the-bus, you know, Jose Mourinho and his last year at Man United side. Yep. Now... One thing I did want to mention, um, if we were having this conversation in November when Unai Emery was in charge, I would say without a doubt Arsenal's fallen from grace uh, relative to where they were in 2017 with Arsene Wenger. I do want to point out two things. One, a lot of negativity have left, has left the club since Wenger left because fans, for better or for worse, we are hypocrites. And, you know, the toxicity of the Wenger out movement was absolutely ridiculous and it got way too serious uh but it did have a big effect on the club and that of course people don't forget about that but that hostility is not nearly as bad as it was during those times second thing i want to say the arrival of Mikel arteta has saved this argument the arrival of Mikel arteta is the only reason why anyone could have an inkling of an argument that Arsenal is even mm. close to as good as they were under Van. Personally, I think it's still a little too early to tell. Obviously, by now, if football hadn't stopped, and you know, we would have a better idea. But I think it's I think it's a little too early to to really tell. I'm not saying I think Mikel Arteta is going to do bad because you know I think he's going to do very good. I think he's going to turn the Arsenal side around. This Arsenal side around. Um, I think he makes. Okay. And I'm not saying he's going to be great either. I, I want to make that clear. It, exactly. Um, it, 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 judgment is still up in the air. He's only been in charge for a few months. However, there this is the first time since I've been a fan of Arsenal that there's been any positivity within the club or any belief within the club. Uh, Raul Sanyeli. Uh, basically our big recruitment guy infamously said that when Arsenal knocks it's a different kind of knock 
and this is the first time over the last two months um, of, of playing before the playing stopped that I as a fan and a lover of the Arsenal could actually see that the knock might be a little different and you've seen it in players like Aubameyang coming to the club you've seen it in other big transfers Nicola Pepe you know breaking transfer records things like that whatever from a footballing standpoint I can finally see that Arsenal have the potential to return and that's no, and, and not something I ever I'll be said. Honest with you, man, I want to see Arsenal do well. I want to see Arsenal be back in the in in the top four, consistently playing in the Champions League, consistently. Um, I still think that you guys are quite a few seasons away from that. I, I, I think that I think you could cut down on that time with a couple of really really fantastic Agreed. transfer windows, but with this whole COVID-19 thing that might make it a little bit more difficult, but, um, you know, I, I want to see the arsenal of the early two thousands back that side that had swagger, the side that bossed the midfield, you know, I want to see that because like I said, like, even though I support man city, I got deep love for arsenal, deep love for arsenal. And it's it's a special club, and I think that was the case before Wenger, during Wenger, and after Wenger. Um, it, it's it's a community club. I you see publicly how much they support their local community. You see what people think of the club, fans alike. No one wants to be a fan of a bad team. No one, but people keep coming to Arsenal. People keep supporting, despite how shit they've been, relatively. And they are a team with high standards. People expect a lot of them, and that's why they've been falling so short. But they're still one of the most recognizable footballing brands in the world. They still have an insane fan base. You still hear stories of kids that you know, grew up in bad neighborhoods in London, but looked up to the Arsenal. Those players, Ian Wright. We're superheroes to them. You, I've yet, in all the content I've watched about this sport, I've yet to see another team with that community. Um, I think you could argue, I think you could make a, a good case for Liverpool, as much as I hate to say it. Yeah, and there are three teams that came in mind. That could come close to replicating that. That's Liverpool, because they are a huge club. And the only two I could think of were Real Madrid and Barcelona. And the reason why is because of their impact in Latin America. And that's that's an extension. I, I, I was referring mostly to community. But there are kids who in favelas dreaming of putting on the real madrid badge you know that's that's gargantuan and somehow arsenal's up there i know how i don't know how because they they suck but m- most players playing today saw Thierry exactly Arsenal. that's the exact reason they're up there right and now. said because I you got, I mean, you know, Arsenal was good in the 90s and early 2000s. That's, that was when, like, that was, like, prime, prime Arsenal, prime Henri, prime Wenger. That's why, to this day, there are still so many people who support Arsenal. Because the club you support oftentimes is passed down through generations. Like, you very rarely will walk into a household and see a father who's a, a, a Man United yeah. fan and a son that's a Man City fan. That's not how it works. I mean, sure. Th- sure, it happens. Sure. It happens. But 98% yeah. of the time, 
It happens. Who you yeah, support whatever. is passed down generation to generation. It's not the norm. You got generations of people who loved Arsenal back when back in the fucking sixties. You know what I mean? Like just generation through generation. That's why they're so massive. Also because you know you as as shit as their back office is now. Uh, you know, back when they were on top, their back office was doing a fantastic job with branding. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and what gives me hope is we're back with Adidas. Arsenal's best days in modern history yeah, over man, the last I'm gonna be 30 years. Honest, I'm actually we're with Adidas jealous and the, then with Nike. The, the stuff Adidas is putting out for you guys. Cause every kit, every kit is beautiful. Every single one. I, I, yeah, I've seen. Bro, yeah, I've seen the rumored uh, home kit. And have you seen the rumored away kit for next year? And then I, then the the then I go and look at the the, the rumored, rumored away kit is white from Puma for Man City, and I just want to ball up and cry, cause they're disgusting. No, but there's like a. Think of like a really Is there like a hot tie, green color coming out? And that's going to be one of them. <laughs> yeah. 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 Now, and then think think of the bottom of a swimming oh pool. and that's Oh, God. <laughs> I love There's going to be a black kit, which I have hope for because Puma normally does okay with kits <laughs> that are black. But we'll see what happens. And tell you what. I liked most of the Arsenal Puma kits. Yeah, Puma, Puma shit. And then bro. I look back. You know what? And they're yeah, shit. Yeah, Puma shit, bro. They're trash. I, that's a hey, yeah, exactly. I shit. But if Puma do, wants to sponsor Puma. us, we yeah. go wear it every day. Um, <laughs> but no, but you know, back. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> um. So. I, I'm sorry. I just wanted to bring it back for a second, because um, I think we've kind of spoken our piece about it. I just to summarize think that Arsenal are not as well as they were under Wenger from like let's say 2014 to 2017 sorry but there's hope and that's a hope that's been very fleeting for a long time now since even during Wenger's days and that hope is what I think is going to bring Arsenal back maybe not to the heights where they were at before but I think under Mikel Arteta, if he supported the right way, if Stan Kroenke finally stops being a fucking asshole, this and club I 100%, 100% could maintain agree with their you. status as a power. I think maybe. that, you know, I don't th- first and foremost, I don't think that Stan Kroenke is going to stop being an asshole. But I do think that there is a good chance that some of these other extremely rich oil countries are going to start looking around and being like, wait a minute. He's got Man City. He's got PSG. He's got Newcastle. Well, let's go buy Arsenal. Then you're going to be looking at a situation where Arsenal have way too much money. I mean, it, before I refer to what you said, it's worth noting that over the last few years, Josh Kroenke has become the voice of Arsenal's back board. That was, is it? We didn't even have that. Is it? Is know? it? So Josh Kroenke don't write. Josh Kroenke, that's his name is but not on the checkbook. I, I Stan's so. name is on the checkbook. Stan got so. the billions, not Josh. It's not. It, you're right. Which is you're sad right. and However, a disgrace. If you're that's more attention than club, the Kroenke's. Run it like a hard. fucking football club. Don't run it like a. Sorry. Go ahead. It's, it's, it's not even being run like a business. It's being run like a leech for the Los Angeles Rams new stadium in a city that doesn't even want the Rams. Yep. Completely, completely yep. depriving the yep. St. Louis community of the football team that they love. Yeah, that's what it is. But that's another topic. Um, what you were saying, you're, you're a business mind. We have many discussions about this. It's impossible to say that Arsenal is not one of the most attractive in terms projects in the, world around? Of football, in the world of sports, I would even say. Oh, a hundred. Dude, if I had the money to go and buy Arsenal, Business opportunity. are you fucking kidding me? Oh, my God. I would do it in a heartbeat. Do it in a heartbeat. Bro, 
<laughs> the fact that at their quote unquote worst in such a public time of ridicule with social media and everything, they still have insane fandoms in all of Asia, Africa, Latin America, North America, and Europe. They're trashy. Right now, the brand is being trashed. But you, you put somebody in there who really wants to see Arsenal succeed, bro, bro, raking in the money. Insane. And tell you what, I, I, yeah, because it's very do easy you think to that's slip a good into place a sense to stop of despair on that hopeful note. Exactly. I, I think I, I kind of want to leave things on a positive note with all the fucking shit going on. And of course, hope everybody's Where doing is, okay. Let's end it there then. I, I that's think cool. that's a good note to end it on. Perfect. Guys, uh, this whole discussion was an audio only segment. Uh, you can only get this by checking it out anywhere you can get podcasts. Apple, Spotify, uh, anywhere else. <laughs> so if you want to see more topics covered like this, I, I please let well. us know. Because well. honestly, I, I had a great time. All right. Well, with all that said, please stay safe. Cover your face. <laughs> and we'll see you next time.